Hey everybody, this is Mike Wardrop from Encounter Church Adelaide and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you can have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our preaching team. Father's Day today, love Father's Day. I've got to admit, I don't love it for the gifts because generally speaking, I don't get great gifts on Father's Day. I get, I get volume, I get quantity, not quality, because all my kids are at primary school and they're at primary school fair. So for example, um, Grace was away on a fate, but she had some money and she gave it to Charlie, my middle son. She gives Charlie this list and she says, and she writes on it, get dad a chocolate pack. It's like, okay, great. You know, pretty easy gift, right? Who doesn't love chocolate? They're like toast intolerant, that's who. But I love chocolate. And so she knew that. She's like, just get him a chocolate pack. How hard could that be? Charlie comes back with two sachets of hot chocolate. Because that's my boy. And so that's sort of what I got today. I got a yo-yo. Don't know why. Got a tennis ball that says smashing dad on it. <laughs> I don't play tennis, but the kid who got it for me sure plays cricket. So he was like, do you want to give that back to me? I was like, mate, <laughs> try not to make it so obvious. <laughs> so it's, it's quantity, not quality on Father's Day, but I love it. It's hilarious, if nothing else. And, and, and I love it. But my daughter happens to be very good at gifts. So today what I want to talk about is God's gift of grace. And we're reading from Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. For you have been... Actually, I'll read off here because it's a different translation. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should work in them. This is God's word. And so... We come to a passage like this in Ephesians, and, uh, and it's incredibly important to our understanding of who God is and how that works its way out in our life. But before we get to that, I want to talk about my beloved daughter, Grace. So, Grace, one year, 2015, Christmas. She goes out shopping for the family with her aunt, who loves her very much and is her godmother, and says, look, I'm going to take you Christmas shopping. You pick whatever you want. So Grace thought about it very carefully. She went, what would the whole family enjoy? What is something that we can all plug into? Everyone's going to have a good time, and I can give it to the family as a Christmas gift. And she decided on Family Feud, the board game. <laughs> now, some of you are going, yeah, it's an amazing gift. Others of you, perhaps I was one of them, are thinking, not so much. Not so much. But the thing is, Grace put a lot of thought into this because as it turned out, she knew something uh, that I was going to be on Family Feud in 2016. And so she thought, what we'll do is we'll get it, we'll play as a family, the whole family can play together, it's going to be fun. Eh, we're going to play together though. And, and then Dad will get practice and then he'll be good and he'll win when he's on Family Feud. Eh. <laughs> Some of those things were true. But she put a lot of thought into it. What she didn't know is that every participant who goes on Family Feud gets a copy of Family Feud, the board game, anyway. <laughs> I knew that. Jenny knew that. So when we saw this come as a Christmas present, we went, oh, honey, um, that is a very thoughtful idea. We really appreciate all, all the time and energy, the intentionality that's gone into that. Brilliant. But we're actually going to end up getting it Anyway, and if for some weird reason daddy doesn't end up on it, we probably don't want it that much. But we didn't say that part. But we're probably going to get it 
anyway. So what we'd like to do is take the same idea, same idea, sharing a game with the whole family, but return this game, and you can help us to pick another game for the family. Grace was not amused. She was disappointed. She made that face. She looked slightly cross. Because here's the thing. Even though our intentionality seemed pretty good, our thought process seemed pretty good, our reasoning was pretty good, we had taken the gift of grace and made it into something of our own choosing. And that's why, if you're a preacher, you've got to be careful how you choose the names of your children. Because you might need to use them in an analogy like I just did at some point. It's very, very important. Very important. Grace doesn't listen to the podcast yet. It's fine. The thing is, God has made a gift of grace to all of us. Now, this is language you've probably all heard before, but we need to talk about it again because it's critical. It is absolutely critical. What we're going to be talking about tonight is something that is at the very heart of who God is, his character, and the way he expresses himself to us and our understanding of it. So let's, let's talk about this as a gift, because the thing is, there's a very big difference between uh, receiving gifts when you're young and receiving gifts when you're old. See, when you're older, you start to look for more boring things as gifts. Um, my kids, again, are amazing to give gifts to, because they're very grateful kids. I'm not sure if this is because they're used to pastor's salary for their entire lives, so anything seems pretty good, but they are so enthusiastic about any gift. You could open anything and it's exciting, which is great practice for me when I'm opening tennis balls on Father's Day. Like this is, it's great practice. Grace in particular is the best. You could give her anything and she's like, this is amazing. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm not 100% sure what it is, but I'll love it when you tell me, you know, this, this is the sort of energy we get from it. But if you're a teenager in the room or you're a young adult, you know that you just started to shift and it's like, oh yeah, like presents are great, but Christmas, for example, is taken on a slightly different meaning because we know that guy who, that we all got told about that has the same letters as Satan and also does some breaking and entering. You know, it, I'm, I'm just saying. We know he's not real. So we just... Um, it's Santa, by the way, just in case anyone was <laughs> desperately doing a Tayson anagram in their head. No, Santa is the word we're looking for here. We know that Santa's not real, so, you know, we just ask our parents and they get us good stuff, and that's great. But it takes a little bit away. Doesn't that? When you get older, you're like, what's the surprise? What? It, you know, you lose a little bit of that. But then when you get older again, and you might be working full time or, or the equivalent or close to it, and you've got a bit more salary, and in the, in the effect, what really happens is the Christmas gifts you get are just stuff you could have got yourself, but someone else is paying for it, which is pretty great if you can get away with it. But it still takes a little bit of the joy off. Those adult Christmas presents like this, socks and a toaster, Something is just taking the edge off there. Because Grace, my daughter, has so much gratitude, but it's hard for us to have the same degree of gratitude. Let me give you some examples about what it's like with um, adult gifts. So uh, for Christmas a couple of years ago, uh, we've got this thing with my extended family, my wife's family, the diamonds. There's quite a lot of them, so we decided early on, okay, everybody only gets one Christmas present. We'll work it around. You know, some of you might have similar sort of things. And so every year, there's a certain amount of money that you put in towards the Christmas present, but you only have to get one. And so you pull a name out of the hat and go, okay, who am I going to be responsible for? Right, sounds like you could have all these amazing different Christmas gifts. People are putting all this thought into them, like, let's see how well I know this person. No, of course they're not. They just text them and like, what do you want for Christmas? <laughs> you know it because you do it too. All right, what do you want for Christmas? Okay, I'll get you that. Because it's easy. 
And a lot of the time, we are driven by that. So my um, sister-in-law, Sarah, she, she was picked out for me this year, and she texted me, she's like, what do you want? I was like, I want a black belt. I just want a black belt I can wear, you know, suits, jeans, whatever, just something relatively nice. And I got to Christmas that year, and um, I, there was my present under the tree, and it was my turn to open it. And you're never going to guess what I got. Yeah, it was a black belt. Yeah. It was... 98% what I would have expected, you know, 2% differential for whether it's slightly curved edges or not. But no, it's, it's, it was a belt. What was I going to expect? That's a bit boring. Is it still a gift if you're setting the parameters? My dad, though, will take it a step further again. My dad, God bless him, 73 years old as of yesterday. Great day for birthdays yesterday, isn't it, Tom? Definitely. Definitely. 73 years old. Great guy. Perhaps not the most susceptible to change in the world. And so when he gets to Christmas, he jumps online because he likes to think of himself as a bit of a digital native. You know, spoilers, he's not. And he jumps online and he's like, okay, what would I love? I'll get myself this polo shirt. This is in, say, September. He'll be jumping online to get himself a polo shirt, gets shipped here, puts it in a cupboard, waits for Christmas, wraps it himself, puts his name on it, slips it under the tree. Nobody has seen this shirt. No, not his wife, not his child, not his grandchildren, nobody, just him. We get to Christmas Day, the kids are all gathered around the tree, the grandkids are gathered around the tree, and one of the grandkids will be like, what's that, Grandpa? I'm like, oh, looks like that's got mine on. <laughs> Let's go have a look what it is. <laughs> a polo shirt in my size, just what I wanted. Perfect if I want to look partially businesslike and partially casual. <laughs> and we're all like, Dad, just... <laughs> what are you doing? Like, this is the most boring idea ever. It's very practical. It's very practical. But it's not a gift. It's just something you've bought and then put in a wrapping for no apparent reason. Because you hate the environment, possibly. I'm not sure. <laughs> where does something stop becoming a gift and start becoming something where we set the terms? This is the real question at the heart of Ephesians. Let's have a look at this one more time. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast about it. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we may walk in them. Now, I'm willing to bet that in one of the two times we've read this, there's been something that stuck out to you. Usually when you read through Scripture, something just jars with you. I hope that's what's been happening. But what I would encourage you to do is as I go through this, don't think so much about what's stuck with you as think about why. Think about why it's stuck with you. Because I generally see people responding in different ways to this passage. Here's the first way I see people responding. It looks like this. Number one, we are saved by God's grace. We are justified. That is, we are made right before God by faith in Jesus. Doing good things then is our natural response because they justify the grace shown to us. So we live to make sure that others also do good things, that they live well. I would call this spirit of religion. Salvation by grace in the mindset of religion. You might want to call it legalism or moralism or something like that. But for the purpose of today, we're going to call it religion, okay? And the spirit of religion is the idea that we can earn our faith in any way. Now, we can't. As we read in Ephesians, it is the gift of God. The gift of God. But when we get tied up in religion, this is what it looks like. 
We believe I am more sinful and flawed than I ever dared believe. And I must repay God's love with good works to be truly accepted. It's, it's always sitting there, nagging in the back of your mind. Does, does God really love me, though? Like, because last night I had a few too many drinks. Does, does God really love me, even if after I did that? Ah, uh, you know, there's a few other ideas we could go down, but let's just leave it there for now. It's always nagging in the back of your mind in the spirit of religion. Have I done enough to earn God's love? Have I done enough? Other things you might think of include we must live a holy good life in order to be saved. You must believe and live right to be saved. We must obey the truth to be saved. See, religion stresses truth but not grace. Truth but not grace. So in this mindset, this is what we do. Keith, can you uh, hit the next one for me, buddy? (laughs) Maybe I'll just leave you in charge of it, as I probably should have done from the beginning. (laughs) Salvation by grace in the mindset of religion looks like this. We receive grace through our faith. We then repay grace through the works that we do. Then we demand grace of others, because if we're doing work, surely everyone else should be too, right? It's only fair. So in the religious mindset, grace becomes a burden, becomes something we have to earn. And because we have to earn it, we have to labor for it because that's what you do with something you earn. You labor for it. That's what happens in the religious mindset. Now, some of you are maybe sitting a little uncomfortably. And and the reason is probably this. There are a lot of half-truths in that. As in, there are things that are very, very close to being true. Or a couple of bits that are true, but then when you pair them with something else, are no longer true. So if you're sitting uncomfortably, it's okay. We're going to get to the other side now. So if you're sitting a little too comfortably, this might be your turn. This is what it looks like the second way I see people responding to salvation by grace. Response number two. We are saved by grace. We are all justified before God. So our works are unnecessary because no response is needed when all are justified. And so we live to ensure that everyone else has their freedom. This is what I would call the spirit of rebellion. Salvation by grace in rebellion. So on one hand, religion. On the other hand, rebellion. Now, as you can see, it has a lot of things that seem pretty good. But this is the idea. You could also call it, by the way, relativism. You could call it anti-religion or antinomianism. It's highly unlikely you're going to choose to call it that. But you could, technically speaking. Um, In the spirit of rebellion, we have... Do you want to jump to the next one, Keith? Thanks. It's freezing out. Oh, there we go. In the spirit of rebellion, we have this problem that we think grace is free that it is without cost. Not as a free gift, but without cost. And you've got to remember that, of course. Like We receive gifts, but somebody's paid for it. Somebody's paid for it. That's the spirit of rebellion. It's what Dietrich Bonhoeffer called cheap grace. Cheap grace. That whatever you do, however you live, doesn't matter. So what does salvation by grace look like in this mindset? It looks like this. I am more, oh, yes, right. So in the mindset of rebellion, we receive grace through faith. We cheapen grace through minimizing the cost. And that then diminishes the value of grace for others. Diminishes the value of grace. So in the rebellious mindset, grace becomes a benefit that has no cost. 
So what do we think about when we have this mindset where we might think, I am more accepted and loved than I ever dared hope, and our sins and flaws are no longer relevant? They're not important. In fact, they might not even exist anymore. Other things we might think include, because we're saved, we don't have to live a holy good life if we don't want to. Or we might think, because we're saved, we don't have to believe what other people believe. We can believe whatever we want. We can live in ways that we want. Doesn't matter, right? We're already saved by grace. And we're all accepted by God, and so each of us has to decide what's true for us. These might be some of the mindsets. If you're coming at this idea of salvation, of being saved by God through Christ with a spirit of rebellion, rebellion and religion. They're what one of the ancient church fathers called the two thieves of the cross because Jesus was crucified between these two thieves. And it's this idea that all of us in our lives are pulled back and forth between these two thieves. But I find that we tend to have a tendency to lean one way or the other. And perhaps as I've been talking through, something's been ticking your spirit and you're like, yeah, I am a little bit this way or I'm a little bit that way. But possibly yet. You don't know why, or perhaps you're not even sure if it's that bad. Well, let me explain it to you. This is what Tim Keller says about it. He says, here's a test. If you think one of these errors is much more dangerous than the other, you are probably partially participating in the one you fear less. That is so good. Let me just read that again. If you think one of these errors is much more dangerous than the other, if you look at religion and you go, that is so bad, that breaks people. Or if you look at rebellion and go, that is so bad, it stands for nothing, there's no holiness, you're probably participating in the other one. Just hold on to that for a second. I would agree and add, if you think one is more wrong than the other, if in your mind you're like, yeah, but that's only because this one's right. (laughs) No. Both of these are the wrong answers. I can't stress that enough. Both of these are the wrong answers. So let's go back to the Christmas present for a second. Let's imagine that God has come down. He's like, look, let's end this Santa stuff once and for all. I don't like the anagram. It's not good for us. Let's end it. God comes down before Christmas. He says, all right, Santa, have a year off. Let's say that. Have a year off. That seems safer. Have a year off, Santa. It's my turn this year. Mike, what can I get you for Christmas? And if I come and I'm like, God, that's so inclusive of you to let me partner with you in this mission. I, um, well, thank you for offering to get me this uh, black belt. And God's like, well, well hang on, I, I di- didn't necessarily mean you got to set the terms and conditions. Like, no, 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 that's great. A black belt is obviously what I need, because that's what I'm feeling I need right now. When I'm looking in myself and, and discovering my truth, I'm sensing that I need a black belt more than anything else. So thank you so much for offering to get me a black belt. And God's like, I, I don't think that's what I said. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. But everyone else is getting a black belt too, right? Or whatever color belt is true for them. (laughs) Everyone else is getting that, right? They better be because otherwise it's not fair. In fact, if everyone else isn't getting a black belt, I'm going on Twitter and you watch. You just watch the things I say. This is the spirit of rebellion in action. But on the flip side, God's like, listen, you seem like you've got it covered down here. (laughs) I'm going to go and check in with your dad. So he goes to my dad... He's like, Ian, God here. Ian's my dad's name. Great guy. Not on social media, so you can't look him up. Barely knows how to use emojis, but we're working on it. <laughs> he goes, Ian, I want to get you something for Christmas. Uh, 
And dad's like, huh? He's like, I've got you this polo shirt. And, and dad's like, oh, well, that's exactly what I need. All right, don't worry. Don't worry about a thing. I'll take it from here. Uh, I'll take it. Here's some money to pay for it. I'm going to take it and I'll wrap it myself and I'll put it under the tree at the helpful date. You've already done too much, frankly. Uh, I'll, I'll take it from here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take it. And God's like, it's, you know, it's a gift, right? Like you don't have to do anything for it. No, 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 it's fine. Do, do you need your lawns mode? Like what? I'm God. No, I don't need my lawns mode. And, and this is the spirit of religion in action to say, oh, uh, okay, I can take this gift, but I have to put some parameters around it to make sure that I'm still in control. The spirit of rebellion and the spirit of religion pull you, my friends. They pull you because there is a gift that God is longing to give you. But the heart of rebellion and the heart of religion pull us away from the truth of the gospel. So what is it? What is it that we get to? Oh, yes, I almost forgot to say this. The funny thing about the spirit of rebellion and the spirit of religion is that both end up in the same place. Both of them end up saying, that's not fair. That's not fair. The spirit of rebellion is like, that's not fair. Equality. Everyone must have exactly the same thing. That's not equality. That's communism. But that's another story. <laughs> Whereas the spirit of religion says, well, you can't do that for me. I haven't paid for it yet. Again, that's, that's not justice. That's capitalism. <laughs> Can you see how we let our little isms slide into what God is trying to do in our lives and control God? Both of them are about control. Who gets to be in control? But grace is a gift of unfair blessing. It is not fair, friends. Grace isn't fair, and you don't want it to be fair. If it's fair, you don't get it. Grace is by its own definition a gift of unfair blessing. Now, I wrote this message a long time ago, and it, was just, it just felt right for today. But I couldn't help but notice that I wrote, we can't earn it and we don't deserve it. So I feel like Corey Asprey, who wrote Reckless Love, owes me some royalties, but that's fine. We can't earn grace. We can't deserve it. He's right. It comes at a great price, but we don't get to dictate the terms of it either. And it's available for everybody who believes in Jesus. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. So what is the correct option? Because in this case, there is a correct option. There isn't always, but there is today. Well, the right option says this. We are saved by grace. All good so far. Everyone got that part right. We're justified by faith. That is, we are justified and made right by our faith in Jesus. Here's the kicker. Gratitude is our natural response. Have you ever given someone a gift and they're like, I mean, even as I say that, I heard someone go, because <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> that's nasty. Like, thank you would be nice. Thank you would be nice. You ever thought about why we get so mad when people don't give you the courtesy wave, you know, when you let them in on the road? <laughs> so I just triggered some people right then and there. You want, me to, you want me to tell you where you sit in religion or rebellion? I can. <laughs> Saved by grace. Justified by faith. Gratitude is our natural response. That is to say, this is a gift I desperately need and cannot earn. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then we live to bear grace to others. It is the only time when it is not only acceptable, but encouraged to re-gift a present. Take grace 
re-gift it to others. Bear it to other people. Become somebody who carries grace with you and gives it out to others. This is called the gospel. Or if you prefer, the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's the idea that grace is a costly gift from God that cannot be repaid. So what does salvation by grace look like in the mindset of the gospel? Well, you're about to notice something, and that is both sides have a half right. The gospel believes I am more sinful and flawed than I ever dared realize. I am not only broken, I'm much more broken than I realize. Way worse. But I'm more accepted and loved than I ever dared hope. It's not just that I'm accepted and loved. I'm actually abundantly accepted and loved. It is unbelievable how accepted and loved I am. I mean, I'm an adopted only child, right? Nobody is more like, self-aware of how accepted and loved they are. But I am more accepted and loved than that in the gospel. This is how it happens because the gospel is the good news about Jesus. And what does the gospel of John tell us? That Jesus is full of grace and truth, not either or. Jesus holds both in perfect tension. And when we receive his gift, we receive them both in perfect tension. I go, wow, thank you. Crikey. And then most people ask the question, what do I do with that now? But you don't have to. It's up to you. The gift is there anyway. That's the tension of the gospel. So I, I feel like, well, let's just get to this last bit. In the good news about Jesus, we receive grace through faith. We respond to grace through works of gratitude. And then we share grace with others through imitating Christ. And in the gospel mindset, grace comes as neither a burden nor something to be trivialized. But a gift of life thanks to the costly death and resurrection of Jesus. So death brings new life. Now, part of our struggle, I think, with understanding grace is realizing that it's not fair which we hate because we like to set parameters around what fair is, and understanding that it's a gift. It is a gift, right? So this is, this is why my daughter got so narky about it. She's like, I've given you this gift, and now you want to tell me how I'm allowed to give it to you? She was right to be annoyed, okay? I mean, you know, the, the practical reality of it is, do we need two family food board games? No. But in terms of how we treated Grace's gift, she was right to be irritated, because we said, actually, even though we feel pretty good about the terms we reject your gift on, we're still rejecting it. Pretty tough, isn't it? So let's look at gifts for a second. I want to give away a gift tonight. It's Father's Day. I want to give away a gift to somebody. But to do that, I'm going to need a volunteer. Dean, yeah. you marvelous human being. So the game we are going to do today is about grace. And every answer is a tough answer, okay? So it's all going to be about religion and rebellion. So there's no right answers. I just want you to know that if you're searching for the right one. Don't worry. Just search for the honest answer and see which one is more you. Sure. Okay? <laughs> so I'm going to run Dean through three uh, fairly well-known parables. And uh, you tell me which character in each parable you identify with a bit more. Mm -hmm. So we'll start with an easy one, the, the most common one, the prodigal son the parable of the prodigal son. There are these two sons, and they sort of come to this wrestle with their father about who gets to keep all the stuff. Now, the younger son runs, runs off, takes half the wealth, and squanders it and comes back and just sort of you know, wants a handout, really. And the older son works hard and is there the whole time and gets furious at the younger son for wanting a handout. Who do you identify more with? The older one. That was quick, but thank you for your honesty. Mm. That was really quick. No, 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 never mind. <laughs> We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. 
Parable of the servants. Uh, there's a parable about this servant who his master comes to him and says, you haven't paid me back what you owe me. Uh, you know, technically, you should be punished for this. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. And he, and he asks for more time. And he runs out. And he asks for these other servants to give him money. And one of them can't. So after receiving mercy from his master, he goes and beats the other servant. So I'm not saying you would have gone out and beaten another servant, okay? But I'm just saying, are you more likely to be the one who's reneged on paying someone back or the one who's loaned out money and is going to be like, come on, bro, why haven't you paid me back? I certainly wouldn't beat up someone for being the next one in the chain. So I feel like I'd probably be the latter. Right. Yeah. Which is good in terms of um, the moral high ground, but bad in terms of your credit rating. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's good. All right. All right. So you kind of won all at this point. So let's, this is the decider. So the parable of the ten virgins. So there are these ten women uh, who are preparing for a bridal feast, and five of them have brought extra oil as they're waiting for the bridegroom, and five of them haven't. Real simple, are you the one who's brought extra oil and doesn't want to hand it out, or are you the one who's like, ah, I didn't bring enough, and now I've underprepared? Take your time. Well, they're not judging you. Naturally, I'm underprepared. I wouldn't necessarily relate to the aggressive part, but I would definitely be the underprepared portion. <laughs> Let's sit with the underprepared. So you, you defined yourself by that, by those tiny little parameters mm-hmm. as, as rebellious. That's irrelevant for this case, but maybe worth you know, some counselling later on. Sure. But here's our beautiful prize. Who would like to see what's in our prize tonight? Yeah. All right. And can we thank Dean for participating? Just stay up here for a moment more. This, this is my ultimate dad prize. So we've got a packet of Sandboy barbecue chips, personally my favourite chips in the world. <laughs> Beans from the Coffee Baron. I mean, really, unground because I'm not a savage. <laughs> Raspberry licorice bullets because dads are the last people alive who still eat these, I believe. <laughs> a, uh, an Encounter branded keep cup because always on brand. And perhaps the dad piece de resistance Socks. <laughs> a five-pack of fun socks. Dad's out, who's a dad out there and knows you always need socks? Hands up if, hands up if that's you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do you want them? No, no, no. In fact, no, take it off. No, no, no. Take it off. Take it off. Yeah, no, 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 no. No, no, no. no this is, Thank you so much. This is... <laughs> no, no, no. Listen. I, um, I don't, I'm not trying to rub this in. This is definitely part of the message. But I just want you to know that I bought this. I didn't charge a counter for it. This comes out of my money. I'm always nervous to preach this because it costs me. Uh, I, this is not to give you a guilt trip. It's just so you know there was a cost attached to it. But it's a gift. It's a free gift. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for your grace. Ah, enjoy. <laughs> enjoy. <laughs> I did give away your prize. I actually knew that was going to happen to myself. So I'm like, I totally did not expect that to be for me. Look. Otherwise, I wouldn't have volunteered. Look. <laughs> I, I always feel a twitch when I do that. Because there is a part of me going, I need to now get Dean something. Even though I know you're not asking for it. But I can't. That's not what grace is. I don't, I don't get to say, you've done this and now you've earned this. Hmm. Grace is a free gift. And I, and I wasn't kidding. Can we thank Dean, by the way? Uh, I wasn't kidding about paying for that stuff. 
I'm always a bit nervous to do this message because I'm like, oh, okay, you know, it's going to put me out of pocket because that's, that's the point. There's a cost attached to grace. We can't forget the cost. It's not fair, but we don't actually want it to be just or fair. It's always frustrating to see someone else be given a gift they don't deserve, but uh, that's grace. It doesn't feel so frustrating when it's us receiving the grace of God. It feels like something we desperately, desperately need. Grace isn't fair. And you don't want it to be just or fair. We think we do, but we don't actually. We could never receive it if we did. So there's two different ways of rejecting God's gift of grace, but there's only one way of accepting it. You put aside the two great enemies of the gospel, religion and rebellion, and you say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this gift. The only realistic response to the gift of grace is one, receive. Two, be grateful. Three, imitate in that order. That's it. What does the imitation look like? It's up to you. How do you receive it? It's really up to you. How do you show gratitude? It's up to you. This is where the freedom comes in, and this is why everyone's half right. Because there is a truth, and that is we can only get it through Jesus. And there is a way he's calling us to live. But there is a freedom, and that is to say, you've got to choose that. It's up to you. How are you going to live? How are you going to be grateful? How are you going to receive it? How are you going to imitate? You need to work that out. We just spent some time in growth track earlier today, looking at our personality gifts and our spiritual gifts. They are different for everyone. You, how you live this out will look different to how your friend does, your family member. But it's still a gift. It's the gift of grace. So, we had a very good reason for rejecting my daughter's gift, but we still reshaped the terms of it, redefined the terms of it. The giver has to define the terms of the gift in order for it to really be a gift. Otherwise, it's not a gift. It's just something you bought for yourself or a mail order, whatever. The recipient, though, can choose whether to receive the gift or not. That's where we come in. See, the giver gives the gift, but the recipient says yes or no. So what do we choose today, friends? What do we choose today? Because this Father's Day, you need to... I cannot stress enough how much you need it. Not my opinion. God's opinion, receive the gift of grace. You need grace. I need grace. Everybody needs grace. And for those of us who are in the room and we're fathers, there tends to be this hardwired protection mechanism built into us. But at the same, which, which causes us to like, you know, either helicopter or do things for our parents, particularly if you've got a daughter in the room. I find it's different for my daughter than it is for my sons. I am more protective. Call her sexist, I don't care. She's my daughter. And, uh, and she's my one to look after. She's my daughter to care for. I find it different. I just find it different. And so we've got this wiring in us for protection. But culturally, there's a narrative that says basically, go out and let them find their own way. They're individuals. And they are. But at the same time, we've got to hold these in tension. You see where I'm going with this? There's a degree that we are called to stand up and create structure and say, this is the way to live. And then stand back and release them and go, now go and live it. 
And for those of you who are in this room and you don't have kids yet, or um, maybe you're not even close with your kids, and that's incredibly hard. Father's Day is a really tough time for people. It brings stuff up in us. Can I just tell you, though, number one, the world needs father figures as much as it needs fathers. The Apostle Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians. He says, though you have countless guides, countless teachers in Christ, you don't have many fathers. You know what teachers are like. They'll come in for a year, cash their check at the end of the week, and at the end of the year, they're like, see you later. Fathers never stop investing. Fathers never stop loving. Fathers never stop sewing in. Apologies to all the teachers in the room who are amazing, by the way. (laughs) But do, do you know what I mean? And if you're a teacher, you know this to be true. You don't want to be investing in every student you've ever had all your life. That's exhausting. Fathers have a handful of charges, and they say, I'll see it to the end. If you're here, and for whatever reason you've been unable to have children, and it's something you've been burning to do, can I tell you, you have such an opportunity to sow into the next generation, to be a father figure to them. My kids need it. The kids of Encounter need it. The kids of your community need father figures who will love them but also say no 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 don't do that do this and now go and do it yourself i'll train you up i'll train you up i'll love you in it i'll encourage you in it i'll tell you what not to do now go out of the nest go it is hard to hold that intention but it is critical be hands-on but don't let don't live their lives for them it's exhausting Our, Christ, our, our, Christ, our culture needs more fathers and father figures. But what do we need more than that? Well, I think you know it. We need a relationship with our Father, God the Father. It's a, it's a, it's a very important picture, and um, depending on your history of church, your experience with parents and fathers, it's one you might wrestle with in different ways. God is not like our fathers. It's one of the things that brings us all together, right? We've all had dads. It's a journey for some of us. I'm an adopted kid. I've got multiple dads and a stepdad, and it's a juggle. It's a journey. Life is not always simple. It is very complex. But we have fathers, and most of them are trying to do their best. And we have a heavenly father who has already given his. And I've got to tell you, tonight, more than anything else, can I encourage you to reconcile yourself to God. The God who gave you Jesus Christ. God incarnate who came down to earth to be with us, who was both the giver and the gift. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you. For more information and resources, please check out our website, encounteradelaide.com.au and don't forget to leave us a rating and review on your podcast provider. Have an amazing day. God bless.